That's a Scotty's Vodka Red Bull Friday banger if there ever was one. Yes, it is. What happened 30 years ago today, B? 32 years ago today. Oh, my bad. Yeah, 32 years ago. Uh, The Washington uh, Redskins at the time knocked off the Buffalo Bills 37-24 to bring home the Super Bowl championship. And it could have been 45-10. to Could have been easy easy to do that. Coach Joe is just a class act. Yeah. Another class act is our next guest on the Bet guest line. Mr. Charlie Batch, you remember him playing quarterback for the Lions and the Steelers for a number of years. Charlie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? We're doing good, brother. What's happening with you? Man, not much. You're trying to be like you when I grow up, B. That's oh, all. Oh, man. We all are, man. We all <laughs> are. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm trying, I'm trying to grow up. <laughs> um, Charlie, you know, you had such an interesting career where – you started so many games in Detroit, then you you eventually get to Pittsburgh. Which is Pittsburgh kind of home for you? Is that where you're from? Actually, I'm born and raised here in Pittsburgh, so oh, okay, I really cool. only know two cities: Pittsburgh, and then I went then obviously my time up in Detroit. So I only know two cities: Pittsburgh and Detroit. Very cool. Um, you know, with the Lions having this level of success right now, how much are you enjoying it? To be honest with you, it's new to me because this is the first time since I've left Detroit. And I left in 2001, and 2002 was my first year in Pittsburgh. But this is the first year in over 20 years that the Lions have played one week longer than the Steelers. So I never really had to go through this to think about what is going on in Detroit. But I'm super excited for them and their fan base. Man, they have been patient, and, man, they deserve it. Hopefully they can get over the hump this week. Charlie, the big talk in the league now is all about the quarterbacks. And you see Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl in, uh, in L.A., loses it, and then get traded for Stafford. And they switched uh, teams, basically. He is now playing a lot better, and I talk a lot about him being in his prime. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, you know, quarterbacks, like when you first get in the league, didn't you really learn the game of football, how things settle down for you? Yeah, a lot of it, you know, of course, him being a Cali guy, you know, I'm assuming he's from out that way. But if all he knows is is California and then you go to that environment, you know, you have a lot of things that are kind of on your shoulders and trying to get over the hump. And, of course, in the manner that he went through, they get rid of you. They win a Super Bowl without you. There's still a lot of things that he has that is kind of lighting the fire for him only because, you know, he really has been a – an outcast. But when you look to see where he was in those younger years to where he is now, the game just slows down for you. And right now, you can see golf right now, he's going through his reads, and everybody's just like, wow, didn't realize it, that he was capable of being this particular quarterback, but he was that quarterback. And now you put the tools around him, and it's just really good to see him flourishing. And it really felt like everything is lifted off his shoulder because he was finally able to get, not when say finally able to get over to him, but when you beat your former team in a manner and sending them home, man, you know he has, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Clearly. We are uh, talking with Charlie Batch, former Lions and Steelers quarterback, ahead of this weekend's AFC and NFC championship games. You played for a fantastic coach in Mike Tomlin. And if my time's right, you might have played for Cower also in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, I played five years with Cower, six with Tomlin. I mean, that's two Hall of Famers. I don't yes. know if Cower's in yet. I, I think, think Tomlin's there, getting there. Um, what is it? Yeah, Cower, Cower was in with the uh, with that um, ex- extended group, so he did get in a yeah. couple years ago. Oh, the COVID year. Okay, gotcha. Um, with playing for coaches like that, what do you learn as a player? Well, for me, um, I, uh, growing up here in Pittsburgh and being a fan of Cower when he got uh, hired back in 91, 92, 
you know, you, you, you're essentially growing up a fan. And you're like, man, hopefully, you know, get an opportunity to play. And I think the closer I got to that realization, you know, was 1998 when I got drafted by the Lions. And I just remember, you know, had saying to, to Coach Cower when I had the opportunity to meet him because they weren't looking for a quarterback at that particular year. I said, if I ever had an opportunity to present itself and play for you, I would. And lo and behold, it happened in 2002. So I had a chance to really play with him at his later stages, right? A lot more calmer. You didn't see the chin on everything that you see on TV. <laughs> he didn't do that during the course of the week. He did that in his early years, but not at the time that I got there. So when you kind of get there, you grow, you know, you build a friendship, but also an admiration for him, knowing that he was trying to get over the hump to get to his first Super Bowl. And to be part of that and doing something during that year that or during that time that not, never has been done, meaning 6C going on the road and going out there to win that championship, to do, be able to do that and hoist that Lombardi trophy with him, man, it was fantastic. And you could see, you know, him getting ready to be phased out into his next phase. And then as we roll into Tomlin, it's a new coach. And everything that Coward did, Tomlin essentially did different. So, of course, the veterans around are all ticked off. We're like, well, we were pretty good before you got here, coach. You don't have to change everything. But it was just a matter of him putting his stamp on, hey, this is the way that I do things, and you're just now following this young coach. But because we were such a veteran team, we were able to police that locker room. So a lot of the things never got up to him because we were able to control everything within to just to allow Coach Tomlin to coach. That, that's something that you said. I know we talk about all these new coaches are possibly getting hired. A lot of Ben Johnson is getting a lot of talk here in D.C. But I always talk about coaches having players help them lead their team. And I think that's when it normally works because now the players feel a little ownership and they're not going to let stuff mess up. When you were around your coaches, like a Tomlin and a Coward, did you notice that level that was consistent in both of them? Yeah, a lot of them allowed their players to be boisterous and take control of the team because they want they wanted them to have ownership of it. And Coward did a great job of that. And you had your Joey Porters of the world, your Jerome Bettis's, Ham Ward, you know. So you had these veteran guys, the James Farriers of the world. These guys were, you know, they were the, the leaders of the room. We followed those guys, and they carried that and really showed these young guys the the way to operate. And by the time that Tomlin got here, Tomlin was 35. I was 32. So here he is three years older <laughs> yeah. than me. And I'm calling, you know, in the building, you're Coach Tomlin. But when I see you out in the bar in the restaurant, you mic to me. You're, you're my boss. But, hey, man, that's just the respect that we have. And, you know, he was able to do that. And he was close in age with a lot of the guys. So if guys weren't feeling it, whether, hey, man, guys are a little tired today, Coach, you might want to take it easy on them. Maybe we have a high-speed walkthrough. You know, but by the time the snap of the ball, everybody, you know, you run everything normal, and by the time the snap of the ball hits, hey, we're going to go through walkthrough tempo, getting everything you need from the neck up, but also getting the work that you need done in the actual field. And that was something that Tomlin always listened to his players, but also respectfully everybody knew he was the guy leading the charge, and we were going to do everything in our power to help him get over the hump, and we were able to win a championship with him in 2008 that's cool man uh yeah. i mean how cool must have been to work to play for both those guys and just the similarities and differences hey, you, didn't, you didn't play for a lot of sucky coaches <laughs> who'd you have in detroit what? remember what? he started what? in what? detroit, detroit. Say, uh, <laughs> you, count, you count detroit b once you got to pittsburgh you were good who would you play there, was, there, for was, in detroit? there were a lot of there were a lot of different there were a lot of different moving pieces right so when i got to detroit you know, we had Bobby Ross, then Bobby Ross ended up uh, taking over. He retired in the middle of the year 
in 2000. We had Gary Moeller. Then we had Martin, uh, Marty Morningweg. But then I had four different coordinators that went along with it. So there was a lot of lot wow. of different – it's a revolving door. So there were a lot of different moving pieces, not to mention even the general managers who were coming in. So, the, But the one thing that was consistent in Detroit was a guy by the name of Kevin Colbert. He was kind of like the second, third in charge. And he was the guy that ultimately brought everybody back together. He was you know, very responsible for helping them get to eight and eight. Nine, nine and seven at one point, and then ultimately he became the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were very similar to what Detroit was going through. Eight and eight, couldn't get over the hump. That was very what the what the Steelers were doing at that time. He added a few pieces in there, and that first championship team that we had in two thousand and five, there were six players that were former Lions that uh, Kevin Colbert picked and brought over to the Steelers that we were all part of that team. So it was really cool to kind of see the Detroit and Pittsburgh connection allowing us to get to where we wanted to get to, and that was being world champions. Charlie, you played 15 years, and like I'm sure you know what kind of tactics got to you and what kind of tactics rubbed you the wrong way. Uh, there's a possibility that Washington could draft a guy at number two. What type of coach you think he will need and what should he be looking forward to? Man, I think I think ultimately you got to do you have your quarterback on a roster? And I think based off everything that I'm kind of reading, you know, that, that's up in the air. That's for question. So if they do make that particular move, you got to now bring in a coordinator that understands how to work to his strengths and being able to elevate him. And that just takes a lot of time because if you're picked that high, the day and age that we used to have back in the day where coaches had, you know, two or three years to kind of work with guys, to, you know, and you're buying yourself time, that's not necessarily the case. Uh-huh. Guys want to see your quarterback in year one, and you better be able to take the next step in year two. And if not, they're now looking for the next guy. So they have to yeah. make sure that that marriage is going to work within. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. Um when you watch that Detroit offense now, what do you think of – because, you know, most people believe Washington's going to hire Ben Johnson, the Lions OC, as their next head coach. It, it's not a done deal. Nothing is. But it sure all signs point that way. Um, when you watch the Lions offense, what do you see? Yeah, what I, I love the way the ability to run the ball. You have two rushes over 900 yards. But what I love about the Lions offense, this is not what you see a lot now in the, in this day and age of NFL offenses, is that the quarterback is playing underneath center. And when yeah. you do that, that now allows that play-action game to really hit home. When you're doing it from the gun, that's a token fake. The linebacker say, ah, you almost got me, and they're dropping back into coverage. But when you're underneath center and you extend that ball into that running back's belly and you pull it out and go back off of that play action, those linebackers now are two and three steps forward allowing the tight end or maybe that slot defender to get behind and that's where those big plays are happening and that's what I love about Jared Goff because you know you could see he's not dinking and dunking this guy's pushing the ball down the field and you're seeing chunk plays in a huge way and I think that's why you talk about the offense coordinator being talked about as a potential head coach because of those big splash plays that the Lions have for sure what do you think about like when you're looking at a head coach measuring up kind of the schematic side versus the leadership side. I mean, hell, we're talking about Cower and, and Tomlin. Yeah, you had the leaders. You on. had the leadership side for sure. But How do you balance all There's that? always, like I said, some coaches who are not very voiceless, and I don't know if you ever noticed this, they have somebody else on their roster that will let you know how, what, what you're thinking and what you feel. 
Absolutely. And I think when you look back and, you know, of course, Cower and Tomlin, those guys are great communicators. They come in, the message is clear and concise. Glad guys understand when they're walking out the door what the assignment is at hand. So there's no confusion. Now, I did play for some people who were great schematically, but could not relay and they couldn't communicate. Okay. And that was their that was their weakness. And all of a sudden, you're just like, what the heck? And these guys, it, it, it was just bad. It was a bad formula all around. But the one thing about players, they understand it. These aren't college players that you're having anymore. You're dealing with grown men. And when grown men can realize, wait a minute, you're full of it, you've lost the team. And, you know, so you have to have some type of balance, but also have your right hand to be able to now make sure that they can, uh, you know, assist with some of those weaknesses that you have. So it's just one of those things that I was fortunate over my when I got to Pittsburgh that I did have that instability from ownership to the point that allow everyone else to flourish. And he made sure, whether that was Tomlin or Cower, to make sure that he put his players at the core, making sure that he was able to get the best of their abilities out of them. I bet. I feel like there's a billion questions I could ask you. I'm curious, though, because Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm guessing you're watching Steelers games every Sunday. Um, they're probably shopping for a quarterback, if I had to guess. And I, I have a buddy down here named Wildcard Scotty. He's from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He loves the Steelers. And he's always telling me that, you know, t- there's so much good about Tomlin, but that people up there are getting tired of him. You heard some of the contract questions this year. Um, I loved when he just walked away when the one person has him. Even as a reporter, that would drive me crazy. Um, what's the deal with Tomlin up there? And is it really quarterback driven? If they can find the right guy, they'll be all right. Yeah, it's funny because I, I see it on both sides, right? People in Pittsburgh, they're frustrated. But nationally, they're like, what, what is wrong with y'all? Why would you even want <laughs> exactly. to get, get, get rid of a guy coach like that? It's very similar to kind of the talk nationally with Brock Purdy, right? People are crushing him. But in San Francisco, they're like, this is our guy. What are y'all talking about? So these are things that always happen. But I think the longer you go in this league, and most people aren't used to coaches being around 17 years in the manner that Tomlin has been around, but he's had success. But when you talk about the standard, and this is why people in Pittsburgh get frustrated, because the standard is a standard, meaning the only thing that matters is Super Bowl trophies. If you don't win that trophy, you don't get celebrated. They don't celebrate division winners. They don't celebrate Super Bowl losers. So from that particular standard, if you're going to hold – everybody and the expectations to that, the fans are going to hold the coaches and the players to that same expectation. And when you haven't won the Super Bowl since 2008, you lost it in 2010, players understand you got to win it to be celebrated. And right now fans are frustrated from that particular manner. But it all circles it back to this season. Now you get back and you're like, okay, Mason Rudolph, you probably lose him. Now the jury is out on Kenny Pickett of whether he's the guy moving forward. They're going to get a new offensive coordinator in there, so this is a big year for Kenny Pickett. But what are they going to do to add the Mick in that quarterback room to create that competition? Mike Tomlin talked about bringing that in. I just don't see Mason Rudolph being in that equation only because I think he did enough to now go out there and compete for a starting job elsewhere, and I think the dollars will match up where Mason Rudolph goes. When they start complaining about Super Bowls, tell them that uh, in Washington they haven't won one since – January 26, 1992. Absolutely. And it's exactly <laughs> on the eve, the eve of it. I promise you Detroit realizes that, and they're going to be reminded of that all weekend yeah, when they, they talk are. about how they lost that NFC Championship game in 1991 to, yeah. to Washington. So it's going to be you know, talked about. So these are things that really, when you look back on what expectations are, are they realistic expectation, or you know, are you just kind of throwing things at the wall to see if they stick? But, man, as a as a guy who went through it and was able to be part of those championship teams, man, I, I wish that on every player with an opportunity to hoist that Lombardi Trophy because it's truly a special moment. But Charlie, I know something else that's near and dear to your heart is our kids. You love working with kids, and 
You started the Best of the Batch Foundation, and you all are finishing up a building. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you do it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. So our foundation, our family foundation is called Best of the Batch Foundation. We're an educational foundation and we service 3,800 kids annually in nine counties throughout southwestern Pennsylvania. And we've been doing so over the last 23 years. And with all, we run a, a 13 different programs throughout the course of the year. And we literally were busting out of the seams on our building. And literally, we went from 5,300 square feet to 33,000 square feet. Wow. So now we're able to add more educational components to it. Our numbers are expected to go over 6,000 kids annually. So we're super excited about everybody who believes in the mission and vision of what we're accomplishing, the sponsors, the partners. So we're truly excited to show our building off. And, you know, anybody who wants to learn more information about what we're doing throughout the calendar year, they can go to Batch Foundation. Foundation.org, and you'll be able to see everything that we do. And if we can help in any way, man, please don't hesitate to reach out because we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're here to make it stronger, especially when it comes to impacting kids. That's great, man. B was showing me some of the pictures, yeah. and it's really, really impressive. Um, Charlie, I, we'd be crazy if we don't at least get your picks for this weekend. I'm guessing with all that uh, black and gold running through your veins, you're not a big Ravens fan, but Ravens Chiefs first, what do you think? But I mean, anytime the Steelers aren't in it, I'm gonna go ahead and pick. I want to. I, I want uh, the AFC North to to bring it home, and I'm gonna root for Baltimore the same way I did a couple years ago for Cincinnati when they were in the Super Bowl. So I'm not totally against the Ravens from that particular manner. So I'm looking at Ravens coming out of the AFC, and in the NFC, man, I, I think Detroit goes in and shocks them. Oh, wow. I mean, that's going to be something that. Yeah, I really do. I think it's going to be a close game, and because of the manner of the close games that they played this year, I think they're able to pull it off, and I think Detroit finally gets over the hump and get to the first, get to the Super Bowls first time since 1957. So I'm rooting for a Baltimore-Detroit Super Bowl. Uh-oh. That'll be big for that city, though. Man, Detroit and Baltimore are two cities that have been on the, the wrong end of a lot of things. That would be wild for both. Yeah. Charlie, thank you very much for appreciate your time, you, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Right, man. Take All care. Right. That is Charlie Batch, former Lions and Steelers quarterback. Sharp dude, man. I really yeah. enjoyed that conversation. Oh, yeah. um, we got to make some picks. Let's run through all the prop bets for conference championship weekend. Do not go anywhere. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Anywhere. Name of it. I don't know the words, but I know who sings it. Bunch You're of not a fan. Bro, I don't, I'm not. I'm you, not a, you, you want me to tell you why you're not a fan? This is Rihanna, and I like this song. Gets people fired up. JP. What, Jeff? What? I, I got a question. How did you sing this song incorrectly and still not know the name of the song when it played? 
Yellow diamonds in my life. That's still the incorrect word. (laughs) (laughs) Found love in a foreign place. (laughs) It's not foreign, bruh. Not foreign to you. He sings it loud and proud, too. Wrong as hell. Loud and proud and wrong. Um, All right. Big weekend in the NFL. AFC, NFC title games. Getting ready for it on a Scotty's Vodka Red Bull Friday, powered by Scotty's Handcrafted Vodka. Scotty's Vodka is Maryland-made, amazingly smooth, and loved throughout the DMV. Throughout. Question for you, B. Yo. Do you still have any of the case of Scotty's left? Uh, Yeah. Had extra. I do not. Uh, but I also gave a couple away. Yeah, yeah. I try to like spread the gospel with with Scotty's, just yeah, like, the, I, I like my friends extra, that I know so that drink. That's why I have so much. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, Landfill gave all his away. Remember that? You were just Santa Claus with Landfill Scotty's. Crazy as hell. Well, he should. All the look he got for his birthday. That's true. That is true. Um. All right. So we're we're looking at. The AFC and the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at the prop bets. Uh, maybe paint a picture for us, Las Vegas. Let us see what you're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you if we start with Ravens-Chiefs, we, we'll go in chronological order. That's the 3 o'clock game, right? We'll start with the quarterbacks. What would you think is a reasonable number for Mahomes, knowing how good this Ravens defense is? Number? 240 yards. Sometimes you are very good at this stuff. What is it? Did you look? No, I'm not looking. Look what I'm looking at. Candy Crush. (laughs) Tomb Blast. (laughs) B B stays playing games. (laughs) Um, 243 and a half. Wow. Yeah. No, I did not look. What would you set it for for Lamar? Passing yards? Yeah. And last game he had less than uh I think it was like a buck twenty. Like buck forty something, yeah. I think it was. I, I would set it right around one seventy, one sixty five. I'm a little surprised. This is higher than I would expect. Lamar's passing yards, two oh eight and a half. Nah, I don't buy that one. Because if he's gonna do what he did in the last game, they better pay attention because he's gonna be running. Yeah, I, I mean that one surprises me, dude. He... He hasn't gone over 208 against the. All right. So is that one of those uh, things where they're trying to set you up? It might be. You no, know, Vegas gets you every once in a while. Sure. Now, listen, In this is actually kind of interesting. Last week against the Texans, he went for 150. But the two games prior to that against the Dolphins, remember when the Dolphins came to Baltimore, it was supposed to be Dolphins hot? defense. Depleted and not very good. Well, it, that was the game also where like people were like, oh, you can't make Lamar MVP because his passing numbers are so bad. And he went for 320 with five touchdowns. Yeah, but they can talk about the passing numbers all you want. You got to go with his overall game. He has ability that other people don't have, and you can't knock him because he has it. Right, but I'm saying in that game, he said, oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah, MF? And then he just dialed everything in. Um, this season through the air, Lamar is averaging – 230 a game, 229.9. So that seems a little high, honestly. Um, The rush yards, which way would you go on Lamar? 67 and a half. Uh, I really think he's going to use his legs a lot. 
because he understands this is definitely win or go home. Totally. And if you're going to try to go to the next level, you have to use everything in your power to get there. And I believe Lamar is going to let it ride. Lanville, I know you love this bet. You've made it 100 times. Mahomes over under 26 and a half rush yards. That's kind of a lot, but I do think that Mahomes seems to have like a long run every time I watch him play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> Particularly in the playoffs when, you know, like you were just saying, you have to get that first down or something. I think he goes over that. So here's what's tough about betting with Mahomes, especially if you think Mah- that Kansas City's going to win. Mahomes busted that 24-yard run last week in in Buffalo. We all remember that. But he finished the game six carries for 19 yards. Did he get sacked? Well, no. It's when you take a knee at the end of games. That's negative rush yardage for quarterbacks. Mm. And all these guys are trying these tush pushes now, which aren't working at the same rate they do with Jalen Hurts. So it's like Mahomes will, if it's 26 and a half, Mahomes will probably give you twenty a 20-yard 20 run. But then you got to make sure it's not going backwards the rest of the time versus Lamar is just such a different entity. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, what do you got? Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco has been a horse for the Chiefs over under 63 and a half yards. I would take the over on that. Um, he just runs hard. And also on what you just said, JP, with the Mahomes taking an under for that. Ravens linebackers too nice, and well, they're fast. But you're taking the over on Pacheco using the same on, logic. Yeah, on, on Pacheco. Yeah. So, because it's, it's different for Pacheco because he's actually getting the ball running. Yeah, and I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna use him as a workhorse this week. You know, one thing that's kind of interesting. Um. Pull up the Niners before I say something that's incorrect. But you're learning, man. I like that. The Ravens come into this game defensively. They're ranked 14th in the NFL in rush yards allowed, which is a little higher than I would have guessed. But offensively, the Ravens come in with the number one rushing attack in the NFL. Right? Lamar's a big part of that. Oh yeah. But the balance there is that they're also 30th in pass attempts. They just don't throw it nearly as often as Mm -hmm. other teams. Yeah. The Niners come in third in the NFL in rush yards. Dead last in pass attempts. That's two of the final four teams. In the bottom, not, not throwing it as in much. The bottom two of so, so, so <laughs> pass attempts. That's what I'm saying. Everybody loves talking about oh, pass first league. Yeah, but I've and- said you find out what your strength is and you use it. And that's two teams that are proving that to you. They are proving that you don't have to toss it around the yard to win. If you don't have a toss it around the yard quarterback, don't do it. And when you don't have a toss around your quarterback, that guy that who can still effectively throw the football, when you run the ball very effectively, you know what he has when he throws to his receiver. Space. You know what? Play action actually works in those situations. Yeah, when you're running it, that goes rooster. <laughs> we knew it wasn't taking that long to find as well over here. Of course he is. We were wondering how Hey, y'all long. have anything else love to eat? Hey, uh, can can I have a plate, please? Yeah. Landfill, yeah. what's he asking you? Translate rooster for me. He's just squawking. Squawking? 
Get on that microphone, Roost. We were we were wondering how long it would take you to find food. We were wondering how long until your rooster senses realized that our guy Crazy Drew brought in a Raven steam tailgate. I was listening to your show. So I knew the food was here and I knew that Drew had brought in the food and the Raven's tailgate and the crab cakes and all that stuff. So I already knew. Landfill called me. I was on the phone with my daughter trying to help her out through a difficult situation, which I thought was more important than answering Landfill's stupid phone call. Uh, oh! Um, Landfill, any- are you going to take that sitting down? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't He's care. always sitting down. What are you talking about? I just, I get excited when Landfill calls me. You, I thought you were going to say you get excited when Landfill stands up. The horniest dude in America, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, yo. Pause. Pause, Rooster. Chris, are you... Stands up. Are you... Jeez. Rooster's over here going from noon to six. Uh, why don't we take a break? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Phone lines open at one o'clock. That's right. It is time for Ask B. Mitch Anything at 1 p.m. 800-636-1067. You know what's going to happen in this commercial break? Rooster's going to ravage a crab cake. But you know what you should be focused on? ESPN Bet. ESPN Bet is now live in the DMV. As the official sports book of ESPN, ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today and new users get 100 bucks in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present within the state of Maryland or Virginia to participate. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Team to win a Super Bowl. They were the Redskins then. Yes. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know what got me thinking about it, but I understand why the name was changed. I get it. Like, it's 2024. Like, I understand it. But, damn, that was iconic, man. The imagery, the font, the name, like, all of it. Like, just thinking back to, you know, looking at the clip. So, Beamish just retweeted a video that the team posted. um, And just, that team was so freaking good. Mm-hmm. That organization was so good. And now it's just, it's just different. Better, worse. I'm just saying it's different. And I mean, you see in this video Gary Clark, Monty Coleman, um, Brad Edwards Charles. just clocking dudes. Charles, Brad man. Brad Edwards will knock you. Blank in the dirt. <laughs> I'm just saying. Brad will hit you, dog. Sure. I mean, you Alvin got, Walton. Yeah. I mean, you guys just beat the snot out of the Bills. Ernest Biner. Um, I've asked you this a hundred times, but since it's the the anniversary of it, we're doing it again. What was that day like? Gerald Riggs? God, he's Remember big. I told you it was so great that I didn't remember parts of it? Yeah. Uh, and after sitting there talking to people and they have pieced it together, everything comes to it. But it, it was one of those moments where you, you knew. Like, well, Monty said it the whole year, and then he definitely said it during that week. Everything has to be put aside right now. Sacrifices need to be made because if you win this, you'll be remembered for it for the rest of your life. 
and you've been places with me. People love that. I, I told you I went to uh, Port City the other day, and the bartender, uh, I forgot his name, uh, but he's he looks at he looks at me and he damn near falls to the floor and he's like, Man, you know who you are? I'm like, Yeah, I know who I am. And then I, I told him give me like open his hand and he had reached out to give me a pound. I say, flip it and open your hand, and I dropped the Super Bowl ring in his in his on his in his hand, and the dude lost it. You know, and it just shows you where that wasn't only a great moment for us as a team, it was a great moment for this area. And it was a like I, I said, and I'll say it over and over again, the connect between the players and the fans then, I know people today think that they're connected. No. It's a lot of people that are trying to be the stars instead of being the fan and be the, like they're connected to the players. They're trying to be bigger than the players. But back then, it was a it was a definite connection that you couldn't cut it, you couldn't break it, you know. And I and I think that that needs to come back. Where, as Joe Gibbs told a lot of the people that were working in the building, these players are first. If they handle their job, we all are taken care of. And you got to get back to that where we put the focus on the guys that actually go inside those lines and get it done for you. Because if they handle theirs. Everybody gets taken care of. It's it's a good reminder as we go through these processes. And I was at uh, Auto Show last night, and this du- dude was talking with me, big fan of the program. Um, shout out to this dude, Rudy, who was a BCC grad that was talking to me. Uh, but a lot of people, and one dude was like, in Peters, we trust. And I'm like, yeah, man. And then in my head, I'm like, all right, well, people said in Ron, we trust. I remember in Scott, we trust was a thing. Yeah. And yes, I I I believe and trust Adam Peters is the right guy to rebuild this thing. And we're going to talk a lot about the coach and if it should be offense or defense or or special teams or somebody from Mars. We're going to talk about all these things. The players are what matter. Yeah. They're on the field. They're making the tackles, throwing the blocks, scoring the touchdown. Mm-hmm. The players are what matter. And if they do their job at a high level, Everybody that has any investment involved with this gets paid. But if you try to get paid before they do their job, it goes to hell in a handbasket. Just going through this here, I pulled up the box score from that game. Twenty, I'm sorry, 32 years ago today, the Redskins won their last Super Bowl. Uh, they were in Minnesota against the Buffalo Bills. A dominant defensive performance, right? Um. Guys went ice fishing that week. What's that? The guys went ice fishing that week. So, five sacks and four interceptions. Do you remember who all got the picks? Uh, Kirk Cavea got a pick. Kirk Cavea got a pick. Uh, who else? Did Brad get one? Brad got two. Yeah. And the last one was it off a D lineman? Nope. Mayhew. Nope. Linebacker? Nope. D. Green. Fellow by the name of Daryl Green. Yeah. I'm surprised it took you that many guesses. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I knew, because like that that has come to me before, and you know it's some like awkward people that got them. Right, 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 right. So I never think of the people that you expect to get them. Right, right. Well, I, to consider that Brad Edwards had two. Yeah, and then, and, and Brad, and then Kirk had one. Brad might have had the game of his life but in Brad that Super Bowl. But Brad was the... He was the wrecking ball that day. 
Oh, he was hitting anybody yeah. in red, white, and blue that move. He was trying to hit you. If you were a fan and you walked on the field, he might have hit you too. I uh, later that year, so probably in February, the Bethesda Metro used to have an ice rink. I don't know if anybody's aware of that. There used to be an ice skating rink at the Bethesda Metro, and I would hang out there after school. And I was interested in this young lady that went to a different school, and I tried to convince her I was Brad Edwards' nephew in hopes that that would speed up the process. It did not. Um, five. Yeah, hold on a minute. Did she even know who Brad Edwards was? I think at that point in time in February of 1992 yeah, in the Washington area. A lot of young ladies did not know all the football <laughs> stuff. That was, that was the knucklehead dudes like yourself. Um, five guys got sacks that day. You want to try to guess? I know Jumpy Gethers was throwing people at the quarterback. Did he get a sack that day, though? Jumpy got one. All right, Jumpy. Uh, Stokes? Stokes got one. Fred Stokes. Um, Johnson? No. Okay, Williams. Eric Williams? No. Eric didn't get one? Not according right, to Charles the box. Mann. No. Damn. Wilbur. Wilbur got one. All right. Wilbur Marshall was just such a monster. So I got three of them already. You've got three. You've got Two Jumpy, more. Fred Stokes, Wilbur Marshall. Any second. I'm it, not going to lie to you. The, these other ones are tough. Secondary? I, I don't know that Alvoid Mays? Alvoid Mays got one. That's the secondary. I knew it was another one. That I, There's one more, and I'm not particularly familiar with this dude, but he is a D-lineman. D-lineman. Oh, man. Who else was D-lineman on that field? Give it to me. Jason Buck. Oh, Jay Buck. But and, and I just saw his face on the video. <laughs> um I would figure if his face is on the video, he did something good in the game, right? Sure. Who do you want to guess who all scored touchdowns that day? Ernest. Gary. Ernest didn't have one. Ernest didn't? Did he go on his knee when he was going into the end zone in that corner? They must have caught him down. Uh, he caught one. I'm sorry. He caught but one. But you say score a touchdown. You, you're right. Ernest. Right. I'm looking at the Russian column. My okay. bad. Because uh, I've seen that play. Gary. It's like a framed picture. Gary and everybody's one. Biner had one. Gary Clark had one. Uh, Those are your two receiving touchdowns. Ripped through two. Jer- Gary Clark. I mean, uh, Gerald Riggs. Gerald Riggs' stat line in this game. He probably had like three carries and two touchdowns. Five carries for seven yards with two touchdowns. <laughs> His longest carry of the day, four yards. But I'll tell you what he was able to do. <laughs> if you needed one, he'll get it for you. Do you know how mad the fantasy community would be now at a at a stat line like Gerald Riggs? And you know what? You know what? I would be telling the fantasy community while I'm on, I'm on the field. One finger them, salute. Two. I'm going to give you one from each hand. <laughs> to hell with you. We're here to win the game, not win you no damn extra points or something like that. Jeffrey, I don't care about that. Release the hounds. Unlock the phones. 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. It's time to ask B. Mitch anything. 